Hello friends, I'm Marty Church. Would you mind if I ask you a question? That is, have you ever come to a time in your life when you felt like you've come to the end of your rope? Maybe you are now facing a dead-end situation where it seems like there's just no answers. And maybe you're wondering, where is God in all this? Does He really care about me? It may be that you are facing what seems to be a hopeless case, even now. Join us today as we read from the Book of Heaven, wonderful principles of hope, how God will help you and me through the worst of times. To help us see how to deal with desperate times, we've purposely come here today to the southeast part of Oregon and the northeastern corner of California the land of our native Modoc people. These people, in the year between July 1873 and June 1874, were historically at war with the invading white man. The white settlers were taking over their homeland, and the Modoc tribe had now certainly come to what seemed to be a crushing end to their very existence. It happened here on this trail called by our Modoc brothers and sisters, the land of the burnt-out fires, where approximately 162 of the existing Modoc people found themselves at the end of the rope, facing actual annihilation, with no way of escape and nowhere to turn. It all began just a few short years before the famous stories of Sitting Bull and Chief Joseph, who stood in defense of their lands against the subtle invasion of the white settlers. These pioneer settlers desired the rich farmland of the Modocs, where the famous Oregon Trail passed through. This land had plentiful game in the forests and beautiful lakes teeming with fish. Unfortunately, more and more frequent encounters with the invaders took place, and deadly skirmishes became inevitable as this tribe fought to protect their homes and families. It all came to a head when miners stampeded in after gold was discovered in the Eureka part of the Modoc territory. As more white people began to settle near the Lost River area, they demanded that the Modoc be removed from their homeland and placed in the Klamath Reservation with the Klamath and Yashuskin tribes. But the Modoc and Klamath tribes were historically enemies, and the Modoc's relationship with the Yashuskin tribes was not much better. Because of the conflict of the Modoc people with the white settlers, after much negotiations, the government ordered that they be transplanted from their homeland north here on the Klamath Indian Reservation. But when agreements of payments and promises of provisions by the government for doing so fizzled out, along with facing continual harassment, 
by the Klamath people, homesickness set in, which prompted the Modoc people to return to their homeland. In the government's effort to return the Modoc people back to their Klamath reservation, the next two years records the epic story of the famous Modoc Wars. Their only wish was to defend their freedom and to have their own homeland, and because it was a story of survival of a native people, it was publicized around the world. They were then pursued by the U.S. Cavalry, who attempted to wipe them out. So the Modoc people, led by Chief Kinnapush, nicknamed Captain Jack, fled into what is known as the land of the burnt out fires. This great lava bed, which they knew so well, became their stronghold. And though outnumbered a hundred to one, the Modoc killed many soldiers. In fact, more than 94 government soldiers lost their lives during the battles, picked off by unseen sharpshooting Modoc warriors who felt they were losing all that was dear to them. They had to defend themselves. For 14 months, these 42 warriors with their wives and children hid themselves living in the caves of these burned out lava rock fields. This time of frustration was a time of loneliness and uncertainty for the Modak people. Their only hope was that someday they could just return to their own homeland. Frustrated at not being able to find them, the government ordered, if need be, the total annihilation of the entire tribe. Finally, after many months of hiding in this desolate area, with provisions running out and surrounded by 700 plus soldiers, the Modoc morale began to break down. The survival of the Modoc people looked hopeless. But it was only after the military had cut off their source of water, which flowed out of their sacred Thule Lake, that the last of these Modoc people could see no way out. They were beginning to believe that their only wish for land to call their own would never happen. In defense of their homeland, they had caused heavy casualties amongst the soldiers and their officers. They now knew that revenge was inevitable and that they had blown any chance of ever becoming a recognized nation. They decided that they had no choice now but to abandon their lava field stronghold. They hoped they could slip out a notice through the secret paths of these lava fields they knew so well. Yet they knew that against such odds, they would certainly be captured and possibly exterminated. This would bring about the genocide and complete extinction of the Modoc tribe as a people. They truly were at a dead end. Any ray of hope seemed to be gone. What followed next was unexpected. As the full force of the U.S. military invaded the Modoc stronghold, they found it eerily empty because the Modocs were gone. However, despite their earnest efforts to escape, over the next six months, the Modoc native people were all captured and gathered in by the military. The weakened, broken Modoc warriors, to spare their lives and the lives of their children and wives, quickly surrendered, totally expecting to be massacred. But because of the public outcry produced by the media, the remaining 153 Modoc people were spared. Sent by train, they were transported to Kansas and then later to Oklahoma. Miraculously, 
In time, the Modoc tribe was given a small Oklahoma reservation land of their own, where several became successful in farming and other businesses. Though they had survived, it still was not what they ultimately wanted or desired deep in their hearts, which was their own Oregon homeland reservation. But they never gave up hope and kept their dream alive. Amazingly, several years later, their ultimate dreams did come true when the government allowed them to return to their original homeland and to have another reservation right here on their beloved Tule Lake shores. And here today in this area, the Modoc people of 600 plus those 300 still in Oklahoma are still alive and thriving. This Modoc story of displacement conflict, persecution, suffering, and despair, yet one of perseverance and hope can in so many ways give us a lot to think about. And perhaps it can even give us an understanding of basic principles which today could help us find hope and new direction when encountering the burned out trails in our lives. Friends, the fact is, so many of us have experienced or are presently experiencing our own burnt out trails in life. Terminal sickness such as cancer, an unwanted divorce, or growing up in a village where there's no hope of a future, or dealing with destructive addictions that seem impossible to break, or bad decisions that you have made that has brought shame and hopelessness upon yourself possibly blocking you from family and friends and from knowing a future success. You may even be incarcerated and feel desperate. Or it could be hopelessness and emptiness that comes from losing a dear loved one in one way or another. These are just a few examples of many burnt out trails some of us may be experiencing or are traveling on today. And this may make one wonder where God is in all these things. The good news, my friends, is that there are answers and a clear understanding of how God wishes to work out things for you and me, no matter how tough things get. I think of my dear friend Rose Rowe, who has gone through what truly made her believe that she had come to a dead-end trail with no way out. I've asked her to tell you her story. Hi, my name is Rose, and I'd like to share my life experience with you today. In 1994, my mother was killed in a gas station robbery. There were three people involved. Um, two of the, the accomplices um, turned themselves in, and the, the killer actually got away and was never found. I was lost without my mother, and um, I was at the lowest point in my life. And 10 years ago, I lost my oldest daughter to a rare form of bone cancer and she left behind two twin granddaughters which were seven and a little boy who was two years old and I didn't know what to do but to turn to the Lord so I, I turned to the Lord I, I prayed a lot um, and with my many friends that I had, I was able to get through that. And about four years ago, my, my father was killed in a tragic 
car accident. Then again, um, I was at a low point in my life and I didn't know what to do. So I just, I prayed. I prayed a lot and again with the, with the help of the Lord and family and friends, I, I moved forward. In 2017, I lost my husband of 36 years to a, um, I made a, a heart attack. Um, he didn't live through it. We were in the middle of selling our house and I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I couldn't live by myself. I couldn't financially, I couldn't afford to live on my own. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed and everything worked out so well. Um, family and friends stepped up to help me and um, I just took one day at a time. I said, Lord, you have to take all this from me because I can't, I can't do this by myself. Uh, with the help of uh, some friends, um, I got together with a man, and we just were going to be friends in the beginning. And so we went out. So we prayed, and we asked the Lord, is this what you want us to do? Um, because he lost his wife like a week after I, I lost my husband. We were at, going to the same church. I didn't know him very well until I started going out with him. We just continued with the relationship and it just started getting better and better and everything um, was going well and then he, he asked me to marry him and I said yes and I was, we were both very happy. I spend a, a lot of time with my grandkids, um, with my family and friends. Um, they helped me a lot. Um, and. Uh, with the help of the Lord, I, I again got through uh, another tragedy, and I'm I'm very happy now. I know that God wants me to be happy, and I am happy um, through His loving grace and lots of family and friends. I I am happy again, and I know that you can be happy too. What an inspiring story, and what a wonderful statement that was. Just as Rose said through all that she encountered that made life look hopeless. She learned that the Lord has ways to help us survive when we deliberately, by prayer, choose to let Him lead us. We find ourselves here at Captain Jack's stronghold. You know, God has promised not only to help us, but to give us genuine peace of mind in the worst situations, if we will just allow Him to do that. He says, Come to me, you who are tired and wearied, and I will give you rest. You see, we do the coming to him, and he will do the giving of rest and the peace that passes all understanding. The Book of Heaven tells us that no matter how impossible the situation that we find ourselves in, God is faithful, and he will not let you to be tempted beyond your strength, but will provide a way of escape so you will be able to stand up against it. What a great comfort this promise is, because I can tell you from personal experience 
that God always stands behind what he says. But to understand the reality of how God carries out his promises in helping us in dealing with bad circumstances, there are a couple principles we must keep in mind that the Book of Heaven lovingly teaches. First, God sympathizes with us when we hurt because He genuinely cares about us. Because of the effects of sin weakening mankind over the years, He knows that we are helpless and needy in our efforts to stand up against the powers of evil and the harsh things sin brings upon us on this earth. Jesus feels the pain we go through, even if at times it's a result of our own poor decisions. He stands ready to help us. He understands that we live in a war zone, in a great battle of good against evil. Unfortunately, we will be in it until we die or until the Lord comes back again. Because of this, we won't always be treated fairly, and we may face very difficult times on this earth that are not of our own making. Even the best of God's followers have gone through hard times to where they felt absolutely hopeless. I think of Elijah, who did great things for the Lord, but afterwards he became so depressed that he wanted to die because of a wicked queen named Jezebel who wanted to kill him. But he survived because the Lord stepped in to make sure that his needs were met. Then there was Elisha, who God used in a mighty way, but died of a lingering illness. Yet he trusted God to the end because he knew how God had led him in the past. These were very lonely times for them, times which also you may have experienced yourself. But friends, here is something very important to be aware of. We must be vigilant during these times of sorrow because this is when evil powers may tempt us to pursue some other false sources of support and comfort that will destroy us in the end, such as alcohol, drugs, immorality, violence, and even suicide. The old devil will seek to present these and other vices, anything, to keep us from turning to God for real help. This is why Jesus assures you today, all who come to me, I will never turn away. Secondly, the Lord sees a bigger picture of life from the beginning to the end than we do. You see, in His careful wisdom, sometimes our Heavenly Father may not take away the hard circumstances that we're going through, but will fulfill His promise to help us through it. You are precious to Him, and He sees that you are of great value, and you mean a lot to Him. And much like the refined gold, the Lord may use hard times to refine us to be better people, equipping us to accomplish even greater things for God. Jesus knows all this, and this is why he prayed this prayer before he went to heaven. I do not ask you to take them out of this world, but teach them how to live in the world the way that I have depended upon you. It's only after the Lord comes again and restores order will we see clearly some things that we don't understand or see now. Jesus here gives us a key of what to do in hard times. Everything will work together for good if we will just depend on Him like He depended on His Heavenly Father. Jesus in His humanity took everything to God in prayer, totally trusting He would work out everything for His good in the end, which God did. 
Jesus will do the same thing for you and for me, the Book of Heaven says. Trust in the Lord and take courage. Wait for Him, and He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. To wait means staying close to God in an attitude of continual prayer, taking all of our concerns to Him. Then, in response to our pleading, He will turn all the heavenly forces loose in our behalf. He will even lead us to find friends who will be an encouragement to us in our times of despair. The Book of Heaven says that we need to learn to pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. You see, when we as free-willed people take everything to God in prayer, it allows His mighty arm to hold back the evil forces of this world that work continually against us. And that is how our unceasing prayers release God's heavenly power to continually work on our behalf. This is why, my friends, continuous prayer is so very important. He will even open new sources of unexpected help to provide for our needs, to help us to cope and to get through the toughest of times. Just think how He provided for our friend. God gave them a new hope. Friends, as we journey on these burnt-out trails in life, God ultimately promises to turn the bad into good and our sorrow into joy. If we'll just let Him, He'll help us. There is more than sufficient evidence in the Book of Heaven to assure us that God does care for you and for me. We love God because He first loved us. That's where the motive of our love for Him comes from. The key is, let go and let God lead. Jesus also will give us faith to trust Him through circumstances that are impossible for us to understand now, but will completely understand when He comes back to end the reign of sin and death on this earth. I treasure this inspired statement. By faith, we may look to the hereafter and may rejoice that all which has perplexed us in the providences of God will then be made plain. Things hard to understand will then find explanation where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises, we shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. When Jesus comes back to set things right, only then will we be able to know true justice again. Dear friend, you may be going through a hard time right now, like our Modoc brothers and sisters who had come to the end of a burnt out trail with nowhere to turn. But we have the wonderful privilege of choosing to call on the help of our God Almighty. The Lord says, Today I am calling heaven and earth as my witnesses that I have given you a choice between life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your families may be blessed and live. My friends, only the true God, the creator of heaven and earth, has power over life and death. He's no gimmick. Only His Word can we trust. Heaven and earth as they now are will pass away, but my words will never pass away. A thousand will fall beside you and ten thousand will die around you, but death will not touch you. As I look at the windy shores of the sacred Modoc Lake, the Thule Lake, 
It reminds me so much of the summers I spent commercially fishing on the ocean. They say that the water here can get quite rough on this lake at times, but probably not as treacherous as the four to eight foot ocean waves we worked on at times when fishing. During these hard times of turbulent waves, there was an overwhelming tendency to get dreadfully seasick. But we learned something that helped us not to hopelessly get sick, and that was to look across in the distance towards the shore and focus on the land that was stable and didn't move. And as long as we would continue to glance toward the safety of the shore, we remained calm and even though the sea was rough, we didn't get sick. It's the same way with you and me when it comes to the hard struggles in life. If we choose to continually be glancing heavenward through prayer and look to God and claim His promises, He will help us and lead us to the point where we will no longer experience the sickness of hopelessness, loneliness, and despair. You know why? Because we have a stable Lord who has a stable plan for our lives that gives us peace and security. You see, we know that no matter what we are confronted with, God is in control and He will see us through it all. As I make my way out of these ancient, historical Modoc escape trails, I wonder about you. What is it you're struggling with? It's my only wish that you will focus on the shoreline, the strength of God's help. He's promised He'd help us and He'll never fail. Even now, God invites you today to leave all your anxieties and worries with Him because He cares for you. It may be that the Lord will see a way to immediately change things for us, or it may be as it happened to the Modoc people. We may have to wait a while, like they had to, but finally their dream of their own reservation and homeland became a reality. It may be that we too will have to wait till we are in our heavenly home to understand why we had to go through certain trials. But in it all, we will realize that in our learning to have to depend upon the Lord for our every need is what really prepared our hearts for heaven. My friends, be brave, be bold, wait upon the Lord. Don't be afraid to ask for answers, for He's promised in the book of heaven. Before you call, I will answer. While you are still speaking, I will respond. What a precious promise. And until we meet again, let only the Good Spirit guide you.